It's good to be with you this morning. Glad that you're here. I appreciate the opportunity to speak to you this morning, Brother Hugh gave me, and I appreciate, Bill, the prayer on my behalf. And as the song service that we just had, which was very uplifting, talked about the songs, talked about the scriptures that have been given to us. Are we sowing the seed of those scriptures and how beautiful heaven must be? And I think all of us here this, this morning hope for that eternal life, hope for that heavenly home. And as we do that, hopefully what I present this morning would be beneficial to you to be able to help you in that walk, to be able to help us in our life and the choices that we make. You know, it's, it's a lot of times that we talk about what we do and where we go and how we go about it, and very seldom do we go anywhere without a plan. Obviously, speaking to you this morning, I had planned in advance to prepare for what I was going to present to you. All of you are familiar probably with this right here, and if you're not, you need to make yourself familiar with it. It is actually the fire escape plan for this building that you see in the PowerPoint if you ever look at that in the mornings and the afternoons. It's very important to us as a people to protect our lives, to protect those round about us. Cities will put in ordinances in order to save lives. If you ever look at fire escapes, flood escapes, hurricanes, storm shelters, all these things that we put in place to preserve our physical life, especially in public places, but also personally. We might, you might have a plan for evacuation in case there's a fire in your home. Uh, a lot of times in cold weather, we will have provisions in our vehicles in case we stall out so we don't freeze in our cars. But there's a reason why there's exit signs that are lit up in the front here that if there was something that would happen in this building, Hopefully we'd be calm and orderly and, and exit the building in a, in, a, in a fashion that we would all survive. This morning I'm going to be talking mostly to those who are already added to the kingdom, those who have been baptized, those who have taken those steps. And what we're going to be talking about is the way of escape. So as we go through this way of escape, as we go through all these plans we have for our physical lives and for our families and for our friends, we make all these provisions to make sure that we are safe in the environments that we go into. Do we translate that into our spiritual lives? And that's what I want to do this morning, is make the translation into, are we preparing that plan just as extensively for our physical bodies? Are we doing that same plan for our spiritual bodies this morning? 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13, it says, No temptation has overtaken you except such is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted above, beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. This is a scripture that is encouraging to me. This is a scripture that we use a lot. And it's easy to read. Sometimes the application itself is where we really need the help with and where I need the help with in our everyday lives. And it's interesting that it says common to man. That no temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. And this is where I think all of us as individuals, as we live in this world, as we are passing through this life, 
have to really look at and understand that what's in this world, you might say some of it doesn't affect me, some of it doesn't tempt me. We all have our own things that tempt us, the things that lure us away that may possibly cause us to sin, but there's none of it that's not common to man. It's all things that happen day in and day out. It's all interactions that we have as we are going through. You know, the first century Christians, as we read this, as, as Paul's talking to the church at Corinth, did they have problems like this? Absolutely, yes, they had problems like this. Is it worse today? I would say absolutely not. We may have different temptations. We may have different devices or whatever you may say, or vices in our lives, but they had the same things that was common to man. Paul wouldn't have said it's common to man. Today, for us, as the scriptures that we have to read, it is common to man. 2 Timothy 3.16 talks about the scriptures are there for our knowledge, for us to be equipped to be able to do those things in this life. And hopefully I can better equip you with a way of escape as you're going through those temptations and those things so that you can find that way because we are not going to be tempted above what we can bear we can read about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9. It says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Then he says, And such were some of you. Such were some of you. Can you believe this church at Corinth that Paul's talking to had people like this in their congregation? Can you believe that? Obviously they did. Such were some of you. Notice it was past tense, were some of you. Do you think that we have some of those problems in this congregation? Do you think that I may have had some of these problems? Absolutely, yes. And that's where we've got to move past sometimes our pride or whatever the case may be is, well, I put on Christ and I'm living a Christian life and my way of escape, my path is a whole lot easier. Those temptations are going to come more our way because if you're outside the fold, the devil doesn't need to tempt you. You're already, you're already one of his angels. You're already following his lead if you haven't been added to the fold. Once we've been added, that's when the temptations are probably going to come our way a little bit more and we need to be able to plan before, uh, for that. Something else I want to address at this particular point is if you've got a need, if you've got a struggle, probably the person sitting next to you, behind you, across the aisle from you, whatever, has had that same struggle or has that same struggle. One thing I really like about this congregation here is the bond that we have one with another in getting to know each other and the trust that you can have in your brothers and sisters to be able to reach out and ask for help. And it's something that if you come forward this morning and say, I really need help with something, that you're not going to be ridiculed or shamed as you come forward. You're going to be embraced, and you're going to have a lot of prayers that are added on your behalf because of that problem. Because, first of all, they're common to man, and we have those same, temp same temptations that they had back then and we fall to those temptations from time to time and the scriptures bear out that we have each other to be able to lean on 
Back in the first part of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, we'll get, get to that in a minute, but you know, sometimes with escape rooms, I'm not sure if you've done an escape room, but I enjoy escape rooms and several of my, my children do too. And if you've ever been to one of these, we intentionally pay money to get into these rooms. We pay money to lock ourselves in a room to be able to escape out of it. And you think, well, that's kind of silly, and some of you may not, may not like them at all, and you say, why would anybody do that anyway? I kind of get that too. But what we do sometimes in our spiritual lives is we will intentionally go down a path. We will intentionally go down someplace that we know we shouldn't go and wonder why we get into trouble spiritually sometimes, wonder why we have some weakness from time to time. Don't put yourself into an escape room. And I tell you, some of these things that we get ourselves into, we pay money for. And certainly we pay dearly for those sometimes, but we get locked in. And sometimes we'll take that key, and I kind of like this picture because we'll open up that door, and it'll go deeper into another dungeon. And it'll go deeper and deeper and deeper if we're not careful and don't have that way of escape. In 1 Corinthians 10, leading up to the way of escape, It tells us, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud of the sea, and ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. But with most of them God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things, as they also lusted, and do not become idolaters, as were some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play, nor let us commit sexual immorality, I'll get it out in a minute, as some of them did, and in one day 23,000 fell, nor let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents, nor complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the end of the age has come. Therefore let him think, he who stands, he stands, take heed lest he fall. Very strong words that if we really pay attention to that last part, therefore let him who thinks he stands... If you think you're solid, okay, that's okay, but be careful that you're not too proud, that you're not saying, I can't fall, and that I don't need to lean on somebody else, including the scriptures and my brothers and sisters, lest he fall. It's talking about the children of Israel, and they had just been delivered out of Egypt, out of the bondage that they had lived in for generations. They passed through the Red Sea. They saw the Egyptian army that was destroyed behind them. And while Moses was in the mount getting instructions from God, what did they do? They got Aaron, they took off the earrings, they made a molten calf. And due to that sin, due to their disobedience to God, they had to wander in the wilderness. And it talked about all those that died that weren't able to participate in the promise until they were all dead. And that's what it's talking about, leading into that we are not going to be tempted above that which we can bear. Could the children of Israel have made different decisions? Could the children said... You know, just give him a little bit more time. He'll come out of the mountain. God's not going to leave us out here stranded because look what he just did. But instead, they made the molten calf. And if you read the rest of that story, which I encourage you to do, it's interesting to me that that molten calf, they ended up having to drink. 
as it was broken down and put into the water and drink that molten calf. That's what their uh, part of their punishment was too. And a lot of times the stuff that we do in this life, the temptations maybe that lure us away, we end up having to drink the results of that. We end up having to drink sometimes the bitterness that comes along with that. It's important that we plan our escape and make sure that we're doing all we can to stay away from that. I want to look at some scriptures that will help us understanding we need that plan. I want to look at the way that we can escape. And there's a couple of three areas I want to look at. First of all, we've kind of talked, read a couple of lists that talked about drunkenness. I want to talk about women and relationships and wealth and worldly riches. And as we get to, uh, as you look at this list, women, I don't want you to think you're getting me singled out here. Uh, some of the references that we'll have scripturally uh, do have to do with women, but I do want guys and girls alike to hopefully make, make application uh, to, uh, it's not really gender specific, the stories we will have, but it's not picking on the women this morning. You know, we have a, we, every, every day it seems like we try to do things to make ourselves feel good. <clears throat> to be able to say the pains of this world from time to time, um, we, we want the pleasures to outweigh the pains. And, and, and when I mean try to find things that make us feel good, whether it's a hobby that we enjoy, sometimes after a long day at work just listening to some, some soft music um, or whatever that kind of puts us in a place of peace, reading the scriptures, going to God in prayer, whatever it does to make us feel good. Unfortunately, sometimes those temptations that come our way is ways that we can deal with some of the sadness and sorrow we have end up being in chemical dependency. Whether that's wine, as we're going to talk about, or whether that is other choices of drugs, or ways that we can not have our mind or not have to think about what's going on in our lives. And we talk about going back to the common to man. All those things are common. It's not like any one of us sitting in these pews don't have issues, don't have stresses, don't have pressures from time to time. Most of those are self-inflicted, I will tell you. But a lot of times we're looking for the way of escape and we're not looking in the right places. It's important that we look in the right places. We can read in Ephesians 2, in verse 1, it says, And you he made alive, who were dead to trespasses and sins, and once you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of power of the air, the spirit who now works in the son of disobedience, among whom also we were once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love, which, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by his grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any one should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in, in them. So those lusts of the flesh, the things as we live in this world, we weren't created to participate in those. 
We choose to participate in those from time to time, but we were not created. We were created for good works in Christ Jesus. And as you've been added to the kingdom, no matter if you're young in your, in your life in the kingdom or if you've been several decades added to Christ's kingdom, it doesn't change the temptations that come our way. It doesn't change the fact that we still need to walk in, in good works and sow those seeds of the kingdom to those that are around about us. It's important that we look at these things and say, we have been given the grace. We need to take that grace and use it toward good in our way of escape. So how do we come up with a way of escape when it comes to sobriety? So the biggest question sometimes is, um, why not be drunk? And you might say, well, that's not the first question. Usually the first question that comes up is, it's just one beer. It's just one glass of wine. Is that a temptation you can bear? Is that an example for your brothers and sisters that are around you? Is that something that's good to be putting on Facebook and social media? And if you really look at the path, that perhaps that temptation to tr- kind of test the waters on this are young kids and, and, and older alike, you need to think again. Because that's always the question. It doesn't say, it says don't drink wine in excess is what the scriptures give us instructions to. It doesn't say that we can't do this, but why do it to begin with if perhaps that will lead you down a path and lead you to a place that you can't escape? And you can talk to some people who have had problems with alcohol or any other type of drug, and once you get hooked, it's like that escape room where we went in the inner inner dungeon and you hit rock bottom and it's hard to get back out. So why are we doing that to begin with? So I would challenge all of you in your minds, no matter what your status is, and I'm not up here trying to get on a soapbox, but if you are the person that would ask that question, what's one beer or one glass of wine gonna hurt? I would ask you to think that over very deeply before you go down that path. But why not be drunk? We have got to control our minds. If we are not in control of our actions, whether that's drunkenness, whether that's drugs, whether that's some sort of an inhibitor that will keep us from making conscious decisions, the right decisions, hopefully, if we're not in control of that, we cannot be responsible for our actions as far as physically what happens, but we will be responsible for our actions after they happen, one way or the other, the consequences that go along with that. Going back to the children of Israel, they consciously got together and Aaron helped them mold a a molten calf to, to bow down and worship to. There was consequences to those actions that they had. There are things that we do in this life, including perhaps drinking or drugs or whatever is our escape in our mind from time to time that we have to make sure that we don't do. We need to always consider the grace that has been given to us. We read in Romans chapter 13 and verse 12, The night is far spent and the day is at hand. Therefore let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but in but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Easy to read, sometimes hard to do. And it may not be anything that's as as far as getting drunk and drinking and and, and doing drugs or something that takes our mind away, but maybe, maybe it's something that we really enjoy. Maybe it's a place we like to go. 
Maybe it's something that, that just makes us feel good that not the initial act may not be sinful, but where could it possibly lead? Or does it take us away from perhaps things that we should be doing with others or reaching others? We, there's a lot of questions we have to answer when we're talking about our own individual plan, your own individual plan of escape, when you're talking about these things and saying, what comes next? What comes next? Our kids, when we were growing up, um, I don't know that it was actually very effective, but a lot of times you, you get the why, 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 and not necessarily even at the three-year-old age, but as they get even, even into teens, sometimes you get the whys. And uh, Lanise and I played what we called uh, the resource game. It's like, use your resources. How can you answer this question for yourself? What are your resources? You know, a lot of times, I know this resource of the Bible that has been given to us, but sometimes when I'm in trouble, I'm like, well, that wouldn't apply to this. That wouldn't apply. Why? Why do we say that that would not apply? It applies to everything. Every issue you have, if you will look for it, is addressed in this book. And it talks about other things besides drunkenness, the lewdness and lust, and we'll talk a little bit more, the strife and envy. But sometimes it may not be something that inwardly that we have a problem with, but maybe it's something that I'm covetous of something that somebody else has, or I wish I didn't have the same, I wish I didn't have this problem, because look at so-and-so, they never have anything go wrong. Well, let me tell you, so-and-so does have stuff that goes wrong. It may not be to the degree that we feel like it is, but we all have things that we need, that we have in our life that from time to time can really throw us off or can cause us grief. Turn to the Bible, turn and read those things that can help us to find that way of escape. We can also read in Proverbs chapter 20 that we need to be wise. Wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. And you can find probably about 80 scriptures at least that deal specifically with the alcohol piece. And I encourage some of you, all of you, to look at that and say, okay, this is talking about alcohol, but translate that into another addiction, any other addiction that you can think of, and make sure that uh, we, we, we transfer that in. But it says, whoever is led astray by it is not wise. It's important for us to be wise in those decisions in that plan of escape that we have. It's God's will for us. Ephesians 5, verse 17, it says, Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for the things that God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Submitting to one another, and that's hard for us to do too, but that submission is what I would challenge all of us to say, okay, there are people in this congregation, if you don't know it, which I think most of you do, but if you don't know it, there's somebody in this congregation that will help you with the problem you have. And if I have a problem, I know who I can go to and talk to in this congregation. And, and I am talking about the elders. Yes, they're there to help you. But there's others in this, in this congregation that can help you with about any issue that you may have, whether it's drunkenness or any other type of addiction. And they are more than willing to help you with that. But I think that submitting to one another can have a lot of, uh, a lot of implications on what we need to do. But it's also kind of yielding ourselves to others and yielding our will to say, swallow my pride and this is what I can do. 
you know, keep our minds to watch for his coming. We read in Luke chapter 21 and verse 34, but take heed to yourselves lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing. So kind of go in a different direction on those things that tempt us, that, could, that, that there's going to be a way of escape for, that we're, our hearts are going to be weighed down with this carousing, drunkenness, cares of this life. We talked about those, not just drunkenness, not just an addiction to some sort of chemical dependency that we might have, but the cares of our life that come from day to day. And that day come on you unexpectedly, for it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man, to escape that second death. Don't be guilty of not choosing the way of escape, whether it be alcohol, your drug of choice, or anything else that will take our mind, our ability to make decisions away from serving God. So as we talk about women and as we talk about a few, uh, a few situations from the Bible this morning, again, I want you to translate that into relationships. You know, the temptations that come our way, such that are common to man, as such were some of those at Corinth, and I, I, I bet as I speak up here to you, and some of those were of the congregation of Plainview too, it's important that we find this way of escape. You know, beauty has always been an issue, as we can read in the scriptures. The beauty that has been given to women, uh, you want, might want to say the handsomeness that, that are in men, um, there's all of us don't have that problem with the beauty, but some of us do. And I think it's important, and I'm not going to start pointing fingers or anything else here, so don't get nervous about that. But uh, we can see in the Bible that there, it bears it out in many places. Obviously, one that comes to mind, Samson had issues with Delilah. And I don't know how beautiful it was, but it was a problem that he could not take care of and, and to the fact that it took his power from him and ended up costing him his life. The wisest man alive, King Solomon, was given the wisdom was given that wisdom and was told ahead of time, do not go to strange women. But all these wives that he had drew him away in the fact that he ended up serving idols and having idols in his house. And we think about the fact that David wasn't worthy. God did not da allow David to build the temple. He allowed his son Solomon to do that. So a great man, but was drawn away of his temptations and drawn away into an idols because of women. And again, translate that women into men that can draw you away and, and, and take you into places perhaps tempting you to do things that you shouldn't do. And it caused issues for Solomon's father, King David, as we talked about, 2 Samuel 11, where he had a choice to make because the temptation came his way. 2 Samuel 11, verse 2 and 3, Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked off the roof of the king's house, and from the roof he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful to behold. So David sent and inquired about the woman, and someone said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Maybe the earliest form of, of, of pornography maybe that we see that's written down for us in the scriptures. But nonetheless, there's a lot of us that say, well, well this temptation, he, he was just out there, and you know, Bathsheba shouldn't have been bathing. 
you know, shouldn't have, should have been more discreet or waited till it was dark. I mean, there's all sorts of blame games. We got to blame ourselves and take the ownership when we're talking about our way of escape. We have to say, this is what I'm going to do to keep from sinning, to take that temptation, because all David had to do was look away, turn away, or make a lot of different decisions. He made a lot of poor decisions, did he not? In the fact that he sent and had her come, and he had, he, he had his, her husband killed in battle, and was just completely lying to himself, and he got into a position where he didn't even realize that he had made all these mistakes and was placing judgment, and he got kind of shown the light, so to speak. And sometimes we can get into those dark places where we, we do one thing wrong, and maybe it was just a small temptation, but we choose to go down that path. We don't choose the plan of escape. And we can see the grief that it caused David, that it caused his child that was born out of this adulterous situation. And it's easy for us to say, well, she was beautiful. So I ask you this morning, who are you making yourself beautiful for? When you get ready in the morning, and I'm not, certainly not going to call out names here, but I've, I've talked to a couple of win, women of the congregation that um, say, well, I don't have my makeup on, I can't go out. And I haven't put on my face. I'm not making fun of anybody, I'm just saying that happens. Where if you're not dressed up a certain way to present yourself to one to another, then sometimes you do that. What are you getting yourself dressed up for? Ladies and gentlemen alike, when you put on your attire, Wherever that is, whether it's coming to the assembly or going to the beach, are you putting on Christ? Are you putting somebody into a path of temptation by the way you dress? You need to ask yourself that question because not only do we need to have the way of escape, we don't need to put anybody else in harm's way in the decisions we make and how we dress that would perhaps be a temptation to them. So let's make sure we are getting dressed for Christ. And I know we live in this world and we have to present ourselves a certain way uh, in, in public and, and, and we want to put on our best, you know, when we come to church and, and, and all that. But be careful that it's not anything that's going to lead somebody down the wrong path or take their mind someplace that it shouldn't be. It's important for us to do that. Desire is a huge tool the devil will tempt us with, and we need to be sure that we're not the one that's causing that temptation. Again, I'm not putting the blame on Bathsheba in this way, but put yourself in the situations you're in and make sure you're not putting somebody in harm's way. We read in James chapter 1 and verse 13, it says, let no, man, let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted by evil nor does he himself tempt anyone, but each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. We do not want to take those temptations that are going to come our way, the thoughts that are going to pop in our head, the pop-up screens that are going to happen on our computer or on our phone. We need to make sure that we are guarding ourselves from those things as we go through. Find that way of escape. And they all are going to affect us in different ways. Some things might not be a temptation to you that may be a temptation to me. So 
make the application for yourself as far as what the dark places that you don't need to go to and don't put yourself, lock yourself in that escape room without a way to get out. We also read in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and, of, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. The church at Corinth, such were some of those. If you have issues this morning, whether you're added to the kingdom or not, that have not been repented of, that have not been taken care of, you need to do that. We don't want to be any part of this. Listen, you think about this, and we, we like to look, or I like to look at the big ones and say, oh, I didn't do that, I didn't do that, I didn't do that, and say, here's the checklist of what I didn't do. But what about the things that I did do that I need help with or forgiveness for or temptations that, that cause us maybe to have those outbursts of wrath, those selfish ambitions where whatever makes Mike feel good is, what's going, is what we're going to do and who cares about everybody else. That's what we do so many times in our life. Those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now those desires that come our way and this is a rather lengthy reading, but I'm going to read this to you from Proverbs, the 7th chapter, beginning of verse 1 through 27. And when I talked about the Bible addresses every aspect that we can think of as far as temptations that come our way, uh, I'm very serious about that. And if you need help locating those, I know there are brethren and sisters that will help you do that too. Proverbs 7, beginning of verse 1, says, My son, keep my words. And treasure my commands within you. Keep my commands and live, and my law is the apple of your eye. Blind them, bind them on your fingers. Write them on the table of your heart. Say, say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call understanding your nearest kin, that they may keep you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words. For at the window of my house I looked through my lattice and saw among the simple I perceived among the youths a young man devoid of understanding, passing along the streets near her corner, and he took to the path of her house in the twilight, in the evening, in the back in the dark night. And there was a woman met him with the attire of a harlot and a crafty heart. She was loud and rebellious. Her feet would not stay at the house. At times she was outside, at times in the open square, lurking at every corner. So she caught him and kissed him with an imp impotent face and said to him, I have peace offering with me, I have peace offerings with me. Today I have paid my vows, so I come out to meet you diligently to seek your face. And I have found you. I have spread my bed with tapestry, colored coverings of Egyptian linen. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love until morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. For my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He has taken a bag of money with him and will come home on, an, on the appointed day. With her enticing speech, she caused him to yield. With her flattering lips, she seduced him. Immediately he went after her as an ox goes to the slaughter, or as a fool to the correction of the stocks. Till the arrow struck his liver, as a bird hastens to the snares, he did not know it would cost him his life. Now therefore, listen to me, my children. Pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths, for she has cast down many wounded 
and all who were slain by her were strong men. Her house is the way of hell, descending to the chambers of death. Very, very serious stuff that's been written here. And if we don't think it can happen to us, we probably don't have our plan of escape planned out the way we need to. And I'm not talking about just sexual immorality, but the intimacy that can come along that, the desires that can pull us away. Again, translate this girls into guys that can be doing the same things in this day and age, in the things that you come in contact with. And, and it's important for us to be prepared for what's going to happen Intimacy is something, those desires, that we need to keep our hearts pure. Paul tells Timothy in his letter in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 22, it says, Flee also youthful lust, and, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, and all those who call, out, uh, call on the Lord out of a pure heart. How do we keep our hearts pure? By having that plan of escape planned so when those temptations come our way, may not be in a physical form that come come walking through our door or ringing the doorbell at our house, but when things pop into our minds, when there are things, that, choices that we make, perhaps to go down a path that we shouldn't physically or mentally, it's important that we call on the Lord, pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace. Surround yourself with those that are going to help you get through those temptations or avoid those temptations that are coming your way. Those who are married ensure that we follow God's plan for the husband and wife as we read in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 2. Nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife and let each woman have her own husband. Let the husband render to his wife the affection due her and likewise the wife to her husband. And I'm not going to go very deeply into this, but when it, when it comes to intimacy, do not use that as a weapon. Husbands or wives, do not use that as some sort of leverage that you'll get this if you do this. Use it in a godly way that has been given to us. Let each woman have her husband and each wife and each husband have her wife. A healthy, intimate relationship can keep us from all sorts of desires and temptations. And it's important for each of us, no matter how long we've been married, that we keep that in mind as we go through our life. Last thing I want to look at is worldly riches. Now, we've talked about the wealth that can come our way, the, the covetousness from time to time, chasing a paycheck, chasing the next promotion, giving up perhaps the time we need to be giving to God in order for these things to take place. But I think it's important that we take these evils that are going to come in a fleshly way and the things that we can buy and the, and, and the trips that we can take and the pleasures that we have that have been given to us in this life and make sure that we can recognize the temptations that might show us. You know, the, the dollar bill and the shiny objects that come our way from time to time, is, it's, it, it's hard for us to resist. We don't always know that it's a temptation until sometimes we take that path and then we got to turn back pretty quickly because we realize it is a tem temptation. So I think it's important that we can sort through all that. 1 John 2 and verse 15 says, Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father but is of the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it, but he who do, does the will of God abides forever. And that's what we are after, the, 
the, the, what I've addressed this morning to those added to the kingdom, that is what we are after, to abide forever in God, beyond this world, beyond the temptations, beyond the pain, beyond the sorrow that we will have. Riches can be a snare and a detriment if our heart's in the wrong place or if we're chasing the wrong things and not keeping ourselves of the spiritual nature. 1 Timothy 6, verse 9, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptations and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith and their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. And we talked about Solomon and, and how his heart was taken away with the women, but I also think sometimes maybe the wealth and the fame that he had had something to do with this. We had a discussion with somebody earlier. I, one of the prayers that I prayed about my children is that they wouldn't be famous. They would never find a path that would lead them to fame and fortune that comes along with that. Because if you look at the tragedies that happen from those talented individuals out there, whether it's singing or or acting or whatever, that, that fame is hard to handle, those riches. And I'm not saying everybody that went down that path was, not, was, was just looking for the, for the shiny object at the end, that they were looking for the fame, they were looking for a way to make a living, and they had a talent. But be careful as we challenge maybe even our children as they grow up. Be the best people they can be, but serve God first, and then the rest will fall in place. Easier said than done. It's important that we put our spiritual soul over those things that come our way in this life that make us feel good and make us maybe forget some of our sorrow and grief that we have, that we run through. Pierce themselves through with many sorrows. And I think about the pierce through where you see these movies uh, of gladiators all where they run somebody through, take their sword and just take them right through the belly and, and slice them through. Do we do that to ourselves? We do, by falling into these temptations, whether it's the wealth we've been talking about, the riches of this world, those things that draw us away, sometimes those relationships that can draw us away, and sometimes just trying to forget about what's happening in this life. You know, Christ's chosen disciple in Matthew chapter 26, one of the twelve called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and said, What are you willing to give me that I deliver him unto you, speaking of Jesus? And they counted out to him thirty pieces of silver. So from that time he sought opportunity to betray him. Not only was he tempted with money, but Judas actually took the action and went through the door that approached them and says, What will you give me? How often do we do that? You think, well, my plan is certainly not going to do that, but... Sometimes in those decisions we make, we don't know where it's going to lead us, and obviously it led to his demise and the betrayal of Jesus. Now, as we kind of transition here a little bit and look at, we need to think about how we spend our money, that money is needed in this life, but there are so many good things that this congregation does with the contributions they give and individual giving. Um, so make sure we understand that money is a resource that we have to have in order to carry on some of the works of the church. But it's that evil, the love of money in those things can be a form of evil. We need to make sure that we watch out for. In the same chapter, Matthew chapter 26, when we think we're being tempted, you know, I don't know about you, but as I get older, it's, it, it's really pleasurable to take a power nap. And sometimes those power naps can be 10 minutes, sometimes they can be 30, sometimes uh, Sunday afternoon's a little bit longer. But 
Sleep is one of those things we have to be careful with uh, in our lives sometimes too. Not that it's necessarily a temptation, but in that desire that our body has to say, okay, I've got to regenerate. Am I leaving some other things undone? In Matthew chapter 26 and verse 42 of Christ's disciples that he took with him in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, I need you to be here. This was his darkest hour. He'd just been betrayed, just been delivered, and he knew what was coming. Christ knew what was coming his way. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Could you not watch with me one hour? And this is where that the scripture given for our example, given for our edification and admonition, is watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He's telling us, and we know it, our flesh is weak. We need to watch and pray. And yes, it's, we're not going to be in a situation like the disciples were, but we need to make sure that we are making those decisions that allow us to serve God the way he wants us to serve him. Ephesians 6 and verse 13, and I challenge all of you, I'm sure you're familiar with it, but if you're not as familiar as you'd like to be, or just go back and review, read all of Ephesians chapter 6, where it tells us in verse 13, take, Therefore take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Do everything within our power to resist those temptations, that whole armor of God. Go back and study that armor of God as your plan of escape and your way of escape in those temptations, and you will be better off for it in this life. As we look in James chapter 4, ultimately it's on us to withstand the temptations that come our way. James chapter 4 and verse 7 it says, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The more he comes to us and tries to get us to fall in temptations, uh, he may try different routes, but if you resist the temptations that are given your way, uh, be careful for whatever else he may be trying, but he's going to flee from us. And if we keep our thoughts on godly things and helping out our brothers and sisters and taking care of those things of a spiritual nature instead of those of an earthly nature, it will help us. Just don't give in to those temptations and use your resources that we have so prevalently in this congregation. Use those resources to help you through. Swallow your pride. Don't worry about being shamed. Worry about your spiritual life and where you're going to spend eternity. And when we say just say no, make up your own catchphrase, whatever that may be. Get, get thee behind me, Satan, whatever. Whatever it may be, make sure we're doing that and finding that a way way of escape as we go through temptations. As I talked about, this lesson was geared toward those who have been saved. We don't want to leave out those who haven't been added to that kingdom because your very first way of escape for those who haven't been baptized into Christ, haven't put on Christ through the death burial, the similitude of his death, burial, and resurrection, the baptistry is ready here. The first step you have to take of the way of escape is to escape that second death through being added to the kingdom. And the rest of this that I talked about this morning is things that we need to do to help each other. But the last part of this, and, and it's not necessarily part of the gospel per se, but it, to me it is, is remain faithful throughout your life. It's not something once we put on Christ that those temptations are, are not going to come our way because they will. 
but I think it's important for us to look at this. And if you have been sufficiently taught this morning and would like to be added to that kingdom, to find that way of escape from eternal destruction, we want to help you with that this morning. Or if you have a need this morning that we can help you with, we ask you to come forward and have a seat on the front pew as we stand and sing the song that's been selected.